Hello. Hello. And welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are here with part two of our mysterious disappearance, unsolved mystery of the beautiful, the lovely, the talented Asia Degree. She was nine years old when she disappeared. And last we were discussing we were noting the fact that, first of all, a bunch of motorists saw Asia Degree walking along the side of the road. That was weird. They didn't call the police. That was weird. <laughs> and then after that, we got our second piece of information on February 17th. Now, if you'll recall, Asia disappeared on February 14th, Valentine's right. Day, 20, 2000. 2000. Yeah. <laughs> 20 triple so, zero or two triple zero. <laughs> right. So the next piece of information didn't come until February 17th when police went to investigate a property off of the highway where Asia was seen walking, questioned a lady who lived there, and the lady had found Asia's Mickey Mouse hair bow, a pencil, a pen, and some other paraphernalia, candy wrappers, stuff like that, um, in her shed on her property. And that was the last piece of information we had heard. And the next lead after that wouldn't come for 18 months. No. Yeah. Not until August 2000, 2001. 2001. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I don't know. I can't believe that it took this long for additional information to come up. I don't know if you have any theories as to why that was. I mean, I hate to say it and I hate to make it a race thing, but I think it is a race thing that Asia was black, you know, as a member of the black community. It just, I just feel like the disappearance of a nine-year-old white yeah. girl might be handled differently. And I, I agree. I hate to say that, but Jean Benet disappeared around the That's same all time. I can keep thinking. Yeah. And, you know, the whole country was in an uproar about it. Yeah. That's the thing that I think, I think locally her case got a lot of attention and more likely than not, these type of cases do end up being local cases. It's somebody that knew someone in the area. Nevertheless, though, like the attention that John Bonet got versus her case, I didn't know about this case like I did John Bonet until kind of way later in life and hearing about it and doing some research. It just it didn't get the national attention like a blonde haired, blue eyed little girl, you know, yeah. who went missing or was murdered or whatnot. And it's a shame, too. I mean, I just hate to say it again, but I feel like these truckers who were driving down the road, maybe they would have felt differently had they seen a little white girl walking down the highway. Um, And in fact, I think you made note of it last week that when one of the truckers saw Asia walking Mm. down the street, they thought it was a domestic squabble. Right. And they perceived her to be just like a small but grown woman. Exactly. So it's weird how perception changes that way. And I don't know if it had anything to do with the color of her skin. I don't know if it's just because it was dark that night and maybe she was wearing an outfit that could kind of go either way. But regardless, it just seems 
odd and sad that these people had they called 911 yeah this wouldn't be a story at all yeah just like the next stop that they pulled off on you know just just call the police and you know even at that point it probably would have been difficult to find something but it would have been better than seeing something in the on the news or reading the newspaper and being like oh i think i saw that girl like they didn't give it a second thought until somebody else or something else kind of prompted them so yeah, it definitely is is sad to hear and to see the more that we dig into it. Yeah. And speaking of digging. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So the next piece of evidence, like you said, surfaces in August of 2001. Um, and I guess there was what a contractor cleaning by the highway. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. I was trying to look this up because I was like, what are they building? Is it a housing development? Because I always think in these areas too, where it's a little bit more rural, you would think these big, you know, farms or whatever, where they possibly buy them and are building a housing development or something. I couldn't find what he was building, but it was some contractor that was kind of clearing land at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've got this contractor, he's clearing land by the highway for something to go in and people, this is 20 miles away from the shed where Asia's hair bow, the pen and the pencil were found. And in the opposite direction too. It was in the opposite direction that she was traveling when she was walking down the side of the highway. So really odd. This just kind of scrambles all of the evidence at this point because we're just thinking, I mean, if you're trying to create a path that she likely would have traveled and, you know, an order of events and figure out what happened when and in what order and all of that, it's really hard if you have, you know, information that tracks her 20 miles in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, like clearly she was spotted heading south and this is north. I'm even seeing, so it, it was in Burke County. Speaking of JonBenet, <laughs> good old Burke, brother Burke. Um, it he was did in, it. <laughs> yes, it was in Burke County. And I, I'm seeing almost as far as 30 miles away. That might be from her house. I don't know. So it's 20 to 30 miles away and in the opposite direction. And that that is just one of, I think, stuff that we're going to get into in this episode here of just kind of stuff that does not make sense, like yeah. just does not add up at all. Yeah. And as you'll see, this piece of information has plenty more pieces of information like this to keep it company. There's just all <laughs> yeah. of this confounding information and it just doesn't make sense. So We've got contractor Bob or whatever who's digging (laughs) in this area and he finds a black trash bag out of nowhere, which is never good. You know, there's going to be something fucked up in there. That's right. So he opens it up and inside the trash bag, hold for it, is another black (laughs) trash bag. Are we double bagging? I think we are. (laughs) We are double bagging it, girl. Extra preservatives Uh, over here. Yeah. So. He opens the second bag, obviously, as one does. You can't just go one bag deep. That's right. Come on. And in the bag is a backpack that is marked with Aisha's name. Yeah. And now, meanwhile, contractor Bob not being too bright and not being up (laughs) on his (laughs) true crime. uh... His true crime. He was not a big true crime Mm -hmm. fan. He basically was going to throw this backpack away. Like he didn't think much of it. Crazy. He had no clue that there was a missing child case going on. 
And had it not been for some breakfast time conversation (laughs) with his wife, we might not have ever found this piece of information. So sits down to breakfast the next morning after finding the backpack, you know, is having his eggs and toast and his jam (laughs) and whatever with Mrs. Contractor Bob. (laughs) And he says to her, hey, you know, I found something kind of weird. It was a child's backpack, you know, it said Asian degree, whatever. And the wife is like, Bob, Thank wake God. up and smell the coffee. Ugh. There's this missing child case. She knew all about it. Thank and- God. Thank God. Police swarm the property. She totally opens up their home, their area to yeah. be searched. But when they search, so weird. All they can find is not a hint of Asia, but yeah. animal bones yes. and men's khakis. Yeah, which is like, what? I don't, I don't even know. So this is interesting too, because I feel like I'm going to say again, but again, as last episode, there's a lot of conflicting um, accounts on kind of what is going on here. And the thing that I saw was that this bag was was described as being buried. But if you look at the location and some of the other descriptions, it possibly could have been thrown out. Somebody, you know, thrown it out of a car or stopped and just kind of threw it down an embankment type of situation. And with all the uh, brush and debris, it kind of naturally got buried. And so you kind of think like, all right, are these other items that were in the similar situation where it was just, I don't know why you're throwing your khakis or animal bones. Like you had a turkey and got it on your pants. So you threw them both out the window. Like, I don't know, but I like that. That makes more sense than a lot of the theories we've seen with this case. So that's true. Yeah. But it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's really weird. So obviously based on this information and based on how the backpack was found, we've got to assume somebody else disposed of the backpack, but what's weird about the double bag and the lack of true burial of the backpack. I mean, it, like you said, it almost appeared like it was just sort of thrown down the embankment, not really like properly hidden or covered, but just sort of disposed of it almost seemed like somebody had made the efforts to preserve the backpack and, you know, the contents in it by double bagging it with trash bags this Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, basically early on, we were talking about how the police immediately or relatively immediately came up with the idea that Aisha left her house voluntarily. Mm -hmm. She was not forced. She was not coerced. She was not kidnapped. There was no break in the information all pointed to her packing her bag and preparing and then leaving voluntarily. Right. But even if she did leave voluntarily, even if there was no hint of meeting with a nefarious character early on in the plot to leave the house, it's clear that she obviously met up with some kind of foul play somewhere along the lines now that we have this backpack disposed of in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, I think the FBI was, they had not joined in yet, but, um, you know, the officials at the time, this was kind of the tipping point, like, all right, something definitely happened. Don't know how, don't know when, but this is looking more and more like foul play is involved in this situation. Yeah. And get ready to be even more annoyed if you're like us um, when you read this story. But 
2001, this piece of evidence was the last piece of physical evidence that was found in this case. And what the hell? I mean, how? And I know. Like, and there's so much physical evidence that they found in these weird little bursts, but like then nothing. It must have been so frustrating, especially for oh. her family to deal with like these tiny little bursts of information and then nothing yeah. for years and years and years. Yeah, just the hope that you would have to, especially too, because this is not that far out from, you know, her initial disappearance. It's 18 months. And then to just have nothing, obviously officials combed the area seeing if there was anything else and did not find anything else aside from the random khakis and animal bones. But something that was interesting at the time, they mentioned that um, in some of the news articles that I saw, it said uh, an official said 99% of the items in the bag belong to Asia. Um, eventually, almost 20 years later, you know, learn a little bit more about that. But at the time, it's like, oh, what does that even mean? I just, I don't know. This is another one where it's hard because you can't Monday morning quarterback style be like, oh, why didn't they release this? But you just wonder if they had released a little bit more information at the time, what the outcome could have been, just given that it's 18 months later. It's not, you know, memories are still fairly fresh in the minds of people that could have seen something. So um, after it was found, the bag was sent to the federal laboratory for testing. And obviously, because it's still an open and active investigation, authorities haven't commented on what was uh, found, you know, DNA wise or, or anything else that was kind of found on the bag or in the bag. And like we said, this was kind of the point that they really thought, OK, this is definitely a criminal investigation. This girl's not going out, double bag in her backpack, throwing it away, you know, 20 miles north for no reason like this is right plus you got jake from state farms khakis down by <laughs> the river right. that's right <laughs> next to the bag oh, so jake. that obviously doesn't help things look less like she met with foul play very true very some, true uh, creepy character wearing yeah. khakis working oh my for state God. farm yeah let's just hope she wasn't the one on the phone with jake from state farm at 3 a.m or whatever it was well, you know, she wasn't on the computer with them because they didn't true. have one. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And the power was still out. Well, no, not at that point, but still. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Would have been hard to make contact with That's anyone right. unless That's you right. had a carrier pigeon. <laughs> but yeah. So um, 13 years later, after this backpack surfaces in August of 2001, 2014 rolls around and a man by the name of Donald Ferguson gets arrested and he becomes linked to Aisha's case. Uh-oh. And so just for a little bit of background, in 1990, a seven-year-old named Shalanda Poole went missing. And similar time period, similar fashion, similar little girl. She was around the same age as same Aisha. Same location or close by or... Uh, close by. Okay. She was found strangled, stabbed, sexually assaulted. Oh, geez. And this went unsolved until 2014. And wow. at that point, Donald Ferguson was a DNA hit for that crime. Wow. And it turned out through this investigation that he had been in North Carolina at oh. the time of Asia's disappearance. Ooh. So it was thought that, okay, like maybe, yeah. now again, it's a little bit attenuated and sure. it's 
you know, you're kind of grasping at straws at this point, but perhaps, I mean, he's, why not look he's at a it? suspect. Yeah. yeah why not take a, take a hard look at it and make sure. Yeah. Do you know if he was ever ruled out or if I don't ever... think he ever was. I think, um, it just, there wasn't probably enough to tie him to her case and it's just kind of, yeah, it's exactly. a hard case. Yeah. It's spoiler alert because obviously she was never found her body or otherwise. Um, so that makes sense, I guess that it's just kind of, yeah, you can't tie somebody without more evidence, but so frustrating. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine this poor family too. Like, I don't know. It just seems like they were trying to do everything right. Raising their kids in a, you know, monitoring what they did, what came into the house. They had family members that, you know, will look after them if they were working for, you know, days, the kids head off from school. And it just, it's so sad to see this situation happen and them just continue to be waiting for answers. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just ridiculously sad. And to know that they didn't get any answers at all for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing after that, so it really was a, a pretty big gap, but then in 2015, the FBI finally got involved, which is kind of surprising. They joined the state and county authorities and um, reopened the investigation. But at that point, it sounds like they kind of started digging into things. And then in 2016, they a, a reward was actually offered for information that could help solve this case. And... Interestingly, in May of 2016, the FBI said that they had a possible new lead. This is one I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on because it's kind of vague and weird to me. Very weird. Yeah. They said that uh, there was a new lead that Aisha was seen getting into a dark green car with rust around the wheels on Highway 18 near where she was last seen. And they believed that the car was was like a 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark or possibly a Ford Thunderbird Thunderbird from the same era. Who saw this? Who reported this? Like who reported this? <laughs> and for some reason, the FBI found this information to be compelling enough that they share yeah. it with us, but we don't know why. Yes. And I think that's what's the scariest part is okay, A, who is this person who's making this report? Right. B, why did they wait until now, 15 exactly. years after the disappearance, 16 years, whatever? And why'd they wait till now to report that this random memory that for some reason is perfectly intact? Well, you have to think too, what if they reported it then and now the FBI, like this got lost in some file somewhere and now they're reporting it. Like also it could go either way. Like who's I I'd be more suspicious of like, who's reporting this now. I'm sorry. With the rust, rust around the wheels and stuff like that. Yeah. Like your mind's eye is that vivid. Like, what are you cam Jansen? (laughs) Like suddenly I remember everything. Give me a break. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, I just want to know, because we've had the two other witnesses that have been so well documented and what they saw, like, who is this person? It doesn't seem like it's one of them who reported her getting into this car. And the interesting thing too, I saw somewhere that it was reported that it was occupied by two individuals. So she was possibly getting into, I don't know how accurate this is, but Hey, a report's a report. And I mean, we have no way of knowing like whose report is more believable than the next. Yeah. So, which is also weird because 
it, I've seen it commented, well, why wouldn't she get into the car? Why would she run away from the trucker who kind of slowed down, you know, after circling back to see what was wrong with her um, and, you know, what was going on? Well, if, it, if this car is occupied by two people, what if one of them was a, whim- a woman? I feel like that can play on, I don't know. It just, it makes you really wonder how legitimate is this um, eyewitness account and just kind of what other factors are there to it, especially That's coming so out so many true. years later. Yeah. And it's so important to think like, what would make Aisha get in that car versus run away from the trucker into the woods? Exactly. Like why, like you said, maybe there was a woman in the car. Maybe she was just so, I mean, it was storming out. It was yeah. dark. Like maybe she was so oh. terrified or like soaked to the bone. Who knows that she was like, all right, I give up. I yeah. mean, but then I, that really throws a wrench into things because where the F did the shed come into play? Uh, we, well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do we know when that happened, if that happened first, if she ever even got to the shed right. or if her possessions just got there themselves right. somehow? Um, it's just very confusing. And, and like, was the shed her final destination where she was meeting someone? Like, who knows? It's just there's so many questions. Exactly. So, uh, and unfortunately, I mean, we really never will know or never may know how she met her final fate and where she is and what the hell happened here. I do have to say though, I I, will probably touch on this towards the end of this, but I do hope with the advances in DNA that with her backpack being so well-preserved and the other items in her backpack, I wonder if they'd be able to, um, you know, get touch DNA or something off of that to be able to actually narrow down who might've done this using the whole familial genealogy, uh, research and stuff like that. It would be great if that could be used in this case and narrow it down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And especially because of the way that the backpack was disposed of, it almost feels like the person either wanted to get caught or wanted somebody to get caught. Yeah. Just wanted the backpack to be found because- Yeah, for it to be kind of out in the open that way Mm -hmm. and to be, like you said, so well-preserved, it it just doesn't feel like somebody was trying to hide this. It feels like somebody was trying to be found. Well, why wouldn't you burn it or why wouldn't you dispose of it even just in your normal trash that go, you know, take it to a dump or something? Like, this is a very weird way, in my opinion, to dispose of something and, and why, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you can't, I can't answer that. It's just very weird. Oh, it's so weird. It makes no sense. Yeah. So after 2016, we kind of, you know, get a dip again where there's not much reported, but then in 2018, Cleveland County Sheriff's office releases a video that is, this is very exciting. I think releasing new um, evidence and new information in Aisha's case. And This video shows that in the backpack, again, going back to the 99% of the items in the backpack were Aisha's. Well, I think we're seeing some of the 1% here of what was not Aisha's. They showed a picture of a new kids on the block t-shirt that was found in the backpack. And they're vague about the description. This is, if we want to get into the details, it's kind of frustrating. They said, 
they put up a picture of a shirt that was not the shirt. It sounds like it wasn't the exact shirt that was found in, in her bag. And they were saying, if you knew somebody that had a shirt like this at the time. So it's like, all right, how accurate is that picture? Yeah. And, and they also um, put up a picture of a Dr. Seuss book from her elementary school. Apparently it was checked out there called McElligot's Pool. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's a weird one. Never heard of it myself, but um, this was apparently found in the backpack as well. And they were looking for information as far as somebody that maybe had checked it out at the time and forgot about it. Same with the shirt. If they knew anybody that had that shirt at the time to please contact them. And yeah, they said with the book that they didn't this is what's so confusing to me. They said library records didn't go back that far, but if this was found in the backpack, that meant it was found in 2001. So what you didn't check that quickly. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, a lot of things feel like don't smell right in this case. And a lot of it has to do with just the order and the ways in which the information has come forward. And it just doesn't feel right. Again, like, if you had all this information before, why didn't you say it before? But then, you know, if it truly is just coming to light now, then who is the tipper who is bringing this to light now and why? Like, also like, why aren't you showing pictures of the actual shirt? That means maybe something else is, I don't know, like visible on it, which is awful, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. Why aren't you showing the actual shirt that was found in the actual book that was found? They just show the cover of the generic, you know, what the book looked like. But I'm sure we'll put up pictures of of this stuff on Instagram. But the shirt was you might remember this, too, like one of those sleep shirt kind of things where it's almost like a nightgown shirt, I feel like for little kids. And it's weird because this obviously would not have been a band Aisha's our age. Like I know who new kids on the block are now, but I I would not have been interested or or really known who they were back in 2000. Like this was, this was a band that was popular in the late eighties up through 1990. I feel like at the latest was like their peak. So it's, it's really kind of weird to me that like, where did this stuff come from? And her family confirmed that they didn't know that she had taken out that book. She could have. I feel like that's a little more believable. Like maybe they didn't know or something like that. Yeah. And it's from her school and everything like that. Yeah. But the shirt, like they didn't recognize it, didn't know where it came from and no reason why she would have been interested in that band and had it. So to me, that one is definitely a weird clue in this. Super weird. And the type of person, if you think about it, who would have had that is like a young woman at the time, like- it just it doesn't fit the profile of the person that you're thinking Asia might have come in contact with when exactly. she met her demise. Like it's just it's weird. Yeah, even the the picture that was featured on this shirt was from 1990, which is when she was born. Like, right? So like, know. yeah, it just doesn't it's really just very weird. Very very yeah. weird. And I could see. I mean. Again, like when you're nine, your only money comes from your parents and your only clothes come from your parents. You're not going out and like 
buying clothing for yourself. So her parents would have known if it was hers or if it was even like a cousin's or something like that. Exactly. And that was one of the theories was like with the sleepover, was this maybe one of the older cousins that, you know, came from one of them, but it seems like, no, it wasn't. It like, this was not something that anybody in her family recognized or would have known where it came from. So it's very weird. So weird. Ugh. yeah. But this is what I'm saying. This is one of the items that I feel like possibly they could get some DNA off of, which would be really interesting. Oh, totally. I mean, you'd really hope and hopefully they will do something with it. Um, in November of last year, so just this past November, crazy. which is crazy, an inmate named Marcus Mellon, who was convicted of sex crimes against children, great Awful. guy, in 2014, actually wrote a letter to the Shelby Star. And again, Shelby is the little town where Aisha grew up and the Star is their local little gazette. And in this letter, Marcus contends that Aisha was murdered and he knows exactly where to find her. Yeah. Now, this would just like drive me crazy if I was one of these people working at the Shelby Star. Like if any of these people are into true crime, if any of these people follow the Zodiac style. Yeah. Yes, they must be the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, like getting that information. I'd yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, this is insane. Right. So, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of investigation that has to go into this. And you gotta wonder when you're dealing with an inmate for sex crimes against children, you're probably not dealing with somebody who's <laughs> the most morally yeah uh, stand up kind of guy yeah exactly so you probably can't trust everything out of his mouth yeah. i would venture to say yeah so obviously they're gonna have to tread very lightly who knows what mm-hmm. he might want in return for exactly. that information um but it is very interesting and it's also just bizarre i mean i don't know much about the history of marcus mellon and like where he hails from or anything like that but Like, what would compel you? How does he even know who Asia Degree is? Yeah, like, that's the thing, too. So it's it seems to me, um, so he was convicted of sex crimes in Cleveland County, which is, you know, the county that encompasses where Asia went uh, missing. So he sounds like a local guy who would have local connections and he's in a local jail. Okay, but I don't know. It just that's surprising to me, too, that all of a sudden, like, where's this information coming from? Did he get a new roommate or cellmate? Like what all of a sudden, why are you coming out with this information? That's what is just weird to me. Another unreliable source and another just like weird source out of the blue, like people coming out of the woodwork to give more information about this case. Well, and it's right during COVID and that's, what's kind of slowed down the investigation into this. So is it just he's bored during COVID and <laughs> I don't know, like wants to make something happen. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting, but I'm glad that they're at least investigating any lead because you just never know. Like, I don't know. It's like the psychics that come out and they have to investigate every psychic claim because who knows if it's somebody that's pretending to be a psychic so that they can pass on this information without, implicating themselves in the you know murder or crime or whatnot so wow that's such a good point I never thought about it that way and yeah. like what a great 
scapegoat. I mean, it's so I stupid, it's, but like uh, over here by the water, like yeah. yeah. Hmm. I had a dream, <laughs> and that dream was called my life two months ago. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I don't know. It just came to me in my mm, memories. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. So. You know, I applaud them for at least taking it seriously and really looking into it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, you know, you obviously got to look at all the different MOs that this guy could have. But of course, yeah. once those have been sort of sorted out, then who knows? Who knows? I know, I know. Um, if we want to just go into theories, I guess, I'll just throw them out. Yeah, that and, sounds awesome. Uh, I just kind of pull these together from all different sources and random stuff that I thought that is probably incorrect as well. But um, the first one is that possibly Asia was lured to the shed or somewhere else by a fake pen pal, hence the picture of the little girl. And she was being led there thinking she was going to meet that little girl. And that's why she had the picture. I don't know. I don't think this is super plausible. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, I understand that a lot of people are going to think that, okay, Asia must have been convinced to run away from home by somebody that she knew or somebody who seemed familiar to her, but who would have had the opportunity to get that close to Asia to convince right. her to run away and without actually knowing her, especially being that she was super sheltered, exactly. they didn't have a computer, you know, it just doesn't feel like something, how could Asia have been convinced to meet somebody at the shed or somewhere else? And who would have had that kind of influence, that kind of pull over Asia that, all of her fears of the dark, the dogs exactly. would have been, you know, surmountable. Yeah. She wouldn't have, she put that aside. This is worth it. Like, no, I'm sorry. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, another one that I don't think makes sense to me is it was, was theorized that they were reading a book called the whipping boy. Yeah. Have you read that? I never read that. No, I think it was on the summer reading list for school, oh, but classic. I chose not to read that one. Ugh. Yeah, it was apparently about a, a boy who ran away and, you know, got himself into all these adventures. And it was theorized that she was inspired by this and therefore went out in the middle of the night and, you know, went on this crazy adventure. Again, I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. And yeah. even if she was to embark on an adventure, even if this was so convincing that she would be willing to abandon her fears and hit the road, yeah, would she really choose to leave in the middle of a dark, stormy night? Right. Those were her two biggest fears. Exactly. And if she did decide to run away on her own, then where'd she go? What happened right. to her? I mean, and what was the like final plan that she like? Where was she going? Yeah, exactly. I mean, all these adventures that you're going to have and you go to a shed, like, right. I don't think so. And yeah. it's sort of like what became of her then? Like, did a stranger exactly. murder her? Was she kidnapped and, you know, taken somewhere? Oh, getting ahead to one that I think is more likely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but you wonder, too, since she was walking on the side of the highway yeah. and since the trucker almost hit her, could a driver Again, have hit her you're, by you're accident? Right on, yep. Yeah. Was it a hit and run? Like, I find these more plausible than she was inspired by a book. Like, I'm sorry. It just doesn't, doesn't seem likely to me, but I agree. And they also, you know, had the kind of, usually you hear these two theories in one with this runaway theory, the adventure theory 
was that she was so upset by the basketball game. Right. Yeah. Which, which again, so stupid. Like I, we yeah. talked about the fact I'm sorry. that yes, they lost. Yes. It was probably the worst basketball game that they've had. Because right. Asia fouled out. She was the star of the team and they lost, but big F and deal. She stayed around for the brothers she's basketball nine. game and she's nine and she recovered and was happy yeah. afterwards and had a yeah. great weekend. So yeah. it just, I just think it that's doesn't ridiculous. Yeah. She's not going to run away because of that. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Um, Another one that it seems like, at least with uh, police speaking with her relatives and everything, but that there was something to do with the sleepover, which was the night before, if you remember. Like, she disappeared the 13th into the 14th, essentially. Sleepover was the 12th. And so it's kind of like, oh, was this some type of dare or something like that for her to go out and do God knows what? I don't know. Right. And what's weird too is like, even if it was a dare, why would you dare somebody to do something that you couldn't prove? Right. And a night later, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, what? That's what I kept thinking was what could the dare have been? Oh, go leave the new kids on the block shirt at this tree. Like, Uh I don't know. The shed 20 miles uptown. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 It doesn't make sense to me. And another one that I find this interesting, but it seems like police have really ruled this out is the possibility of her actually being abducted. They obviously have um, concluded that it seems that she left on her own accord that night, but there is the theory out there that even though she was seen like on the side of the road by herself, she could have been with somebody who kind of darted into the woods or whatnot before the truckers saw her on the side of the road herself. I don't believe this. I don't know. I'm not buying it either. And we also just have all of this great information to show quite the opposite that she left on her own accord. I mean, exactly. if you think about it, this abductor would have had to happen by the house. And in that tiny window of opportunity would have been had to be able to take her without causing enough of a stir to wake the brother, to wake the rest of the family, whatever. And also would have had to relock the doors and, and pack leave a no signs of entry. What's with exactly. the backpack? And pack a backpack. Exactly. Yeah. Like So it just, it doesn't make any sense. Everything was, you know, sealed up tight. It looked as though she had crept out and prepared to creep out without waking O'Brien. And, you know, if she, like you said, if she was abducted from her house, how did these two truckers see her walking alone? Like I... I don't that's, know. That's one skilled abductor. Like, yeah, this is an abductor who can turn invisible because yeah. clearly he's just knows right the right time to dart into the woods and force her to keep walking on the road. Like, I don't know. It just is very exactly. weird to me. Yeah. yeah. Though the last kind of theory that I think, I don't know, I partially lean towards this is the random abductor. So before before saying this, I think she left on her own accord and I don't know why or where she was going. And that's the thing that I think is the biggest variable in this because if that was confirmed what she was kind of doing out there, I think that could change everything. But putting that aside, the one trucker, I think we mentioned this last episode, was concerned that somebody might hit her on the side of the road. So over the CB radio, he kind of 
radioed to other truckers in the area saying, watch out for, you know, a small figure walking along the side of the road, whatever. Somebody could have taken this opportunity, heard this and, you know, gone by and picked her up and abducted her. I don't think it answers every question, but I don't even know if it's the right answer, but out of everything, it seems the most likely, yet it doesn't really seem overall super right yeah exactly and this is one of these cases where there are just all kinds of crazy theories I mean I saw everything from like sleepwalking to like which has been totally ruled out there's no way I mean who doesn't who doesn't pack a backpack in their sleep I know I do oh of course come on (laughs) like obviously a very skilled sleepwalker she's more seriously um, prepared in her sleepwalking (laughs) than I am in my wakefulness seriously Ugh, and yeah, that just, it doesn't really make any sense. And, you know, if it was freezing cold outside, windy, pouring rain, how could she have slept through all that weather? Right. You know, how did it's she not, not how could she lock the door so skillfully on her way out? Like, exactly, I'm sorry. exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, we also have the theory that she was murdered by a family member right now obviously stranger abductions are super duper rare yeah um and kids when they disappear from their houses in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. there's usually going to be suspicions that are cast on the family and here though the family was cleared so freaking fast by the police it was everybody's account that she lived a happy sheltered you know conservative lifestyle with her family and frankly, the authorities don't even hint that there was even a chance that she was murdered by a family member. No. And no. the parents have also just worked so hard to find her. Oh, yeah. And they really do seem distraught. They seem upset. They, you know, are still in that same family home decades later, just in case Asia comes home, which is heartbreaking. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. No. But- I think that that speaks volumes that they were able to clear them so quickly that, and it's a good thing at least that, you know, they could because that poor family didn't have to live under the shadow of, you know, suspicion, but yeah, it's, it makes it even more interesting because you would think in this type of situation, it more likely than not would have been a family situation, but it just doesn't seem like it is in this case. So a couple things that after reading through this, I haven't seen talked about a ton, but it's like, oh yeah, this makes you think. Um, So some questions on this. So first of all, her running away in general this night just seems so unexpected. And it was such a weird night. It was the power outage and her routine was all thrown off. Like, why was it this night with the rain and everything that she ended up deciding to go out if this was a planned meeting with somebody. It it just seems kind of weird to me. And the other thing that I found really interesting that I hadn't even thought of was how did she wake herself up? Like she didn't have an alarm. And I saw- Wow, that is such a good point. I saw a theory out there that apparently there was an episode of The Simpsons um, I don't know if it aired like around that time or whatnot, where Bart wanted to wake up at a certain time in the middle of the night. So he drank a ton of water so that he knew he would have to wake up to go to the bathroom. And oh my God. if you think about O'Brien in the one um, 
one scenario, he thought he heard her getting up to go to the bathroom. And, but that's one of the things that just baffles me is like, she didn't have an alarm. Her bag was packed clearly, I think ahead of time. Like I, it doesn't make sense to Seems me. Seems like it. Yeah. That she'd wake up and pack it. But how did she wake up at this time? Like, that's such a good point and yeah. so interesting. Um, and I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that leads me almost like that tidbit leads me to to lean towards maybe it was someone that crept in and it's just like we're really not seeing the signs of that because it's yeah. like how, how the heck did she wake up? Like that's just yeah. so weird. That's so true without and without waking O'Brien. Exactly. Like, yeah. But then ugh, the backpack like, oh, my God, yeah. everything. Yeah, just that's so, so true. That's so true. There's so much conflicting information. Like, did the kidnapper truly have the wherewithal to be like, all right, now let's pack right. your two favorite outfits. We're getting yeah, ready to go on a trip. Tweety bird purse. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Tweety bird. <laughs> I know. Like, that's the thing, though. It's just that that for me really is like one of the biggest like what happened and what was the plan here? Because without an alarm. I'm thinking back to myself at nine years old. I'm not able to wake up at 2.30 in the morning or three in the morning. No like, way, unless your parents are waking you up. Right. I wouldn't even have the wherewithal. And again, like this is back in the day. I mean, even as a nine-year-old, like you don't even know how to set an alarm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the one thing I was thinking with the accounts of O'Brien hearing her get up around 2.30 to go to the bathroom. Harold claiming that that was the last time he checked on them to before he went to bed. It could have been that he, him opening the door woke her woke up. But even, I was thinking the same thing. But even that, like, there was clearly a plan in place with the backpack and stuff like that. So, like, what? Was she just hoping one night she'd randomly wake up at a certain hour and had her backpack packed? Like exactly. That's what's so weird. And then was so compelled to make this happen that she didn't care that it was storming out and dark. Right. Like, right. Like that's, that's, what's just so weird to me. Um, and just some other things that are kind of interesting. So some people thought that I know we mentioned the bus, uh, would take, you know, her school was off the same road, Highway 18, and some people thought it had something to do with her following her bus route and getting turned around because it was obviously the opposite direction. I don't know. That's kind of a weird one to me. And then another thing that I don't know if this plays any part, but I think it's kind of interesting that her location is actually really close to the South Carolina line. She's oh, only wow. 15 miles from South Carolina. And I don't know, obviously it's not like Europe or something where you're going into another country by crossing a state border. But I just find that kind of interesting that, I don't know, the location, I, it just stuck out to me that they're so close to the border right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ugh, there's just, there's so much weird conflicting stuff. And with the bus route too, situ like that whole situation, she very well may have been following that road because she knew the road well. She was used to seeing, you know, that road every single day on her bus right. route. But like, why though? Like, right. even if yeah, she was, what was following the point? Where that was she route, going? Yeah, like, where was she going? What was she trying to get to? What was her final destination? And 
why didn't she get there? Or if she did get there, what became of her there? Exactly. All right. So I, after this, so those are kind of my outstanding questions, but I did just want to throw out kind of a harebrained theory or question or whatever after combing through the Reddit forums. So the video that I mentioned before that the Cleveland, Cleveland County Sheriff's Office put out it had the pictures of the new kids on the block shirt and it had the Dr. Seuss book. And then after the Dr. Seuss book, there's actually a shot that shows the Falston elementary school. You'll remember this, like in elementary school, you have the stamp that has um, your school name on the library books or something like that. So sure, was, sure. Yeah. It was a picture of that. And they kind of zoom in on it and it looks like it's from a book that's not Dr. Seuss. Like the pages are much thicker, bigger, and they're actually look like they're ripped out from another book. And the rest of the portion of that book is actually laying on it. So if you, if you think of it, like here's the pages of the book itself that were not ripped out the portion that was ripped out with the Falston elementary is like laid on top like that. Somebody on Reddit, this is why Reddit is amazing. I love Reddit. Oh my, could read the little portion of text on the uh, portion of the book that was underneath. And they found that it was this book called Neenock Rise. Super weird. Written in the seventies, had never heard of it before. And to me, it's just like, why would the sheriff's office put that picture up? Yeah. And why wouldn't they show the stamp from the actual book? Yeah. And if you look at the picture and the video of it, it looks like it's a, it's a potentially like waterlogged kind of damaged. Obviously the pages are torn out book. You wonder if this was in Aisha's backpack and the book has to do with not somebody running away. Reddit was very up in arms about about this. They're like, they weren't a runaway, but it was somebody who was on an adventure. It's a weird kind of book for younger kids. Um, It's about a town that heard this noise up on a mountain. And this one kid was visiting like a relatives and finally was like, I'm going to go up to the mountain. I'm going to go and see what the noise is and kind of went out on his own on an adventure and so I don't, I don't believe like the whole whipping boy theory of she was inspired by a book to go and do this, but I just find it really weird and really interesting that they would put this, put this picture up. And I find it more yeah. interesting because I found an article that was written not long after Asia went missing and her family actually described that she wanted to be an author and an illustrator when she grew up. Wow. I didn't look too much into this series, but they had said at the time that she went missing, she loved to read, she loved to write, and she loved these books, um, Horrible Harry. It was about an adventurous second grader. So I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I found it interesting and an interesting, if the knee knock rise, who picks that name? Don't know why. Not the best. No, like if that has anything to do with it, if writing and interest in literature or whatever has anything to do with it, and then you have the McGillagots, uh, McElligots, whatever it is, um, pool book, like, was there something to do with somebody related to 
the library or something right or a writer or something like knew she had this interest in becoming an author and used it against her yeah yeah Hmm. so I don't know it's just a very weird tidbit it could be nothing like it could be it could be that the sheriff's office was looking for a stamp that matched the stamp that was on most books at the time this was a book that somebody had you know and so that's why they showed it but it was just like I don't know. I just found it very interesting. It is weird. Oh my gosh. And it's just, yeah, it's so weird. It's similar to the new kids on the block shirt thing. Right. Why didn't you just show the actual thing? Exactly. And like, like, what are you hiding from us? What are you not hiding from us? What are you choosing to show to us? It's yeah. The, the way that the information is delivered is just cryptic as well. It's cryptic. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, no. Um, so yeah, I think that's about all we have in terms of theories and information and that's everything that's come to light at this point, but obviously with the scope and the span of the way that these pieces of information have come out about this case, you just never know when the next little tidbit is going to come out, especially with forums like Reddit, where people just can read things that nobody ever noticed before and can pull things together and draw conclusions. So we really are going to keep looking into this and we're going to stay abreast of any information that comes out. Um, But in the meantime, if anybody has information, the FBI is offering a $25,000 reward um, and the community is offering an additional $20,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of this person who is responsible for Aisha's disappearance. And anybody with information about Aisha's disappearance at all, any information, should call FBI Charlotte at 704-672-6100. Again, 704-672-6100. Any information, obviously, you know, we have no way of knowing what makes certain information better, worse, more telling than other information. But if there's anything that would lead you to any kind of conclusion or anything that anybody remembers from that night, February 13th, 2000, February 14th, 2000, anywhere in that neighborhood, there's no reason why you shouldn't come forward with that information. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening.